Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. I want to preach to us all this evening that um, we know where that we are, as Pastor mentioned this morning, living in different times and different days. And I think we find it harder and harder to get along with people. We find it harder and harder to get along with God's people, let alone with the lost world. And whether you agree or disagree, hate or hate or like somebody, you still ought to figure out how you ought to get along with them. Why is that? Because uh, I'm jumping ahead of my message here. But as a saved person, the love of God indwells me. And if God is love, I should be, I should be giving that love to other people. And it's hard sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to love those who talk about you, hate you, stab you, stab at you. And uh, these days, nowadays, all the avenues we have to get our feelings out. And God help your little pee-picking heart if your feelings are hurt and you've got to get it out. Uh, I say find you a tree in the backyard, pray to it, and let it, be, let it all be over with, all right? That way you and the tree and God knows about it. Nobody else knows about it. But that, that's me. But I, I know I'm old school. I'm trying to change. Just had a little conversation a little bit ago with some guys in the office that I feel like if I've got to keep the job, I'm going to have to change what I think about some things and let some things go. Right? And uh, not sinful or wicked. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but you'll find out in a second. Let's stand on our feet if you would. I got to hurry here, so I'm going to try to talk real fast to be out by 8 o'clock just for Lindsay. She always gives me a hard time about, you be doing it. Well, tonight's a business meeting, so that's going to take an hour after we're done with that, so we're going to be here for a while because <laughs> they're so long. Anyhow, let's look at verse number 9 if you would. Uh, Romans 12, verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation means concealment of one's thoughts or their feelings or their character. You're kind of concealing what you're really thinking or you're feeling about something. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessities of saints, given the hospitality. Bless them that which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise. This goes along with this morning's thought with your own conceits your own selfishness. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to look at the word this evening. God, I've been praying this week, Lord, that you would just direct me. I have a lot of things I like to say, but I don't think I have time or do I need to say. But, Lord, I ask you to give me your guidance, your direction, Spirit of God, please lead me, first of all, and give us all listening ears and listening heart to your word this evening. In your name I pray, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much. I'm just a little loud up here to myself, uh, uh, Joel. I don't know if it's me, my mic, or whatever, and, and uh, appreciate it. I hate to hear myself talk. I know some of you are so in love with yourself, you love to hear yourself talk. I am not that way. I'd soon hear uh, 
Scorby, is that his name? I like to hear him talk. But anyhow, uh, but anyhow, let's go on. The Bible makes the assumption here that the believer has received something intangible and is called the love of Christ when he got saved. I'm going to end up this evening answering this question, but the question before I get there is this. Do you get along with people? Do you get along with people in your circle, in your world? Do you realize without relationships, you have nothing? You can have all the homes and houses and toys and Corvettes and things of life you want to have, all those things you want, but if you don't have relationships, you got nothing. Because our life's all about relationships. So how do we get along with people that come across our path? If love is indeed, there's going to be a lot of wisdom and statements made this evening, so I'll be looking at my notes more than just walking around preaching, but I hope I help us all this evening. If love is indeed within our heart, that love should be the basis of all of my relationships. If love is indeed given as a given state or ingredient in every Christian, uh, then why do I hear people say, uh, I don't love? If you're saying you don't love somebody, in a sense, and I'm not saying you're not, but in a sense, I'm wondering, are you even saved to make that statement? Because when you got saved, you were filled with all the love you could ever handle. Salvation is receiving the love of God wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And of course, love is the integral part of making relationships work. Second Peter chapter 1 mentions and says that we are partakers of the divine nature. Divine nature. And God, and if we are partakers, receivers, users of that divine nature, then it should be that of love. Because love is the, is the key element here to help us to get along with people. I'll get that later on. The expression God is love is just that expression of God's character. God is love, but we know God is much more, right? God is uh, uh, holy, and God is, uh, uh, has wrath, and God has all these things, but one thing is true about God, all the things that God is, there is one ingredient that is always in the pot, and that is love. Whatever you're making, whatever you're putting together, it always, when God gets involved, it's got love involved with it. Our human tendency is to measure love by maybe a, a beauty or expression or a romantic feeling uh, and, and somehow how it makes us feel. But, uh, uh, but that's not the essence of love. How then, does, how then does a man understand the essence of what love really is? A couple of statements here. I have many statements this evening. Uh, you, got, you want to take notes, go ahead. I'm, I think I have most of these for Tim to put up for us this evening so we can get a hold of this. But number one is this. I've learned that God cannot do anything without it being mixed with love. I've learned that God can't do anything without it being mixed with love. The wrath of God abideth on him or abideth on man. And no doubt at times God is angry, but in his anger it's mixed with love. This complexity of God reveals this incredible nature that God is love. Do you realize there would be no earth or be, we would not be here had it not, not been for God being a God of love. For why else would you put up with this mess? Unless you had a love that you wanted somebody to respond back to you, a relationship. 
And the complexity of God's love, God reveals this incredible nature he has. Love is not just a portion of God. It's, like I mentioned already, it's something that God, that God has, and he mixes it every time he has to deal with something. Let's say he was a chef. He's making chocolate chip cookies. In that ingredient, in that ingredient, he is going to put for sure love. If he was, was going to do laundry, he would throw in that laundry detergent a bucket of love. If he was going to be a mechanic and change the oil in your car, he would uh, mix it with a quart of love. Whatever he does, it's mixed with love. So his great love can be readily seen throughout the Old Testament. I mentioned this before. I won't go down this road tonight. But if God and Moses ever got mad at the same time, there would be no Hebrew people today. Right? But fortunately, when Moses was full of love, he asked God to spare them. And then when Moses was full of wrath, wanted to kill them, God is love. And God says, no, I'm not going to do that. Amen? They wouldn't be here. Why? Because God is love. God always mixes his love into his judgment. And today, I believe we're seeing the love of God holding his hand of complete judgment upon this earth for the wickedness that's being displayed. But wait a minute, I don't think it's because of the lost people. Lost people have always done wicked things. Judgment in the Bible is not what the lost world is doing. It's what God's people are doing. I understand sin is corrupt, and sin is, is heading our earth and our, what we know to, uh, to, to destruction. I understand all that. But when, I, when you go to 2 Chronicles 7, it's not talking to the world. It's talking to God's people. If my people will straighten themselves out, if my people do what's right. But thankfully, when God says that, he also mixes that with love. And he holds off understanding our very nature. He always mixes love, may not always be the first ingredient, but love is always included because the Bible says that love is the very nature of God. Number two statement is this, the longer I live, the less I comprehend really what true love is. You with me? The longer I live, the more I say, I, I don't understand this love thing at all. When I was 14 years old and had my first crush on my, that girl, I thought I knew exactly what love was. That poor girl broke my heart. She didn't know my name. She wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't speak to me. Uh, she didn't think I was anybody, but I loved her to death. She was the one I was going to marry and have my life with, right? At 14, you know everything about love. At 61, I'm having a lot of questions. Right? Because as I get older, it's like, man, it's harder to comprehend really what love really is. There is such confusion between the way we act and the way we live uh, relative to what the Word of God says. And the span between God, when God says every Christian has received my love when they got saved, and the way he acts, somewhere along the line, there's been a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Christian people say, I love you. The next moment, they viciously attack you. I don't understand that kind of love. I love you, but come tomorrow, I'm going to let you have it. Right? We'll get more about it a little bit later on. 
Some even sing words, hymns like, oh, how I love God, how rich and pure he is. And then the next moment, they're verbally abusing somebody uh, in especially the leadership position. And love is such a complex and, and virtually unexplainable uh, uh, character of, of God and, and of people. If the very definition is so complex of an eternal being, I'm not sure that a mere mortal can figure out the definition of love either. I'm laying a lot of groundwork here for what I get to. God is love. And love is man's deepest need. But when man meets God then man's deepest need should be met. And I'm wondering why it's not being met. Why is it that it seems like God's people can't live with the essence of love in their life? I don't mean, I'll get this later on, I don't mean you have to agree with everybody. I mean you'll love everybody. There's a difference. Number three, third statement is this. What I do know is, is what love does and what love does not do. I know what love does and I know what doesn't do. Even if I do what love does and don't do what it does, I still cannot say I have love or even showed love just because I did exactly what I should do or didn't do what I should have done. All I can say is I've tried. I understand where we're at, we're, we're sinners saved by grace. Thank you for that. Thank God for his love. I understand we fall way short of the mark. We should be shooting toward that mark every day of our life. We're not going to be perfect, but I should have more love today than I had yesterday as I shoot toward that mark. But see, my problem is with this is, is I have a problem with, with those who, who do what love does not do and do not do what love does, and then say they love me. Did I go too fast for you there? I know they're simple little words. What am I saying? All, I, all I'm saying is this, that I observe people who say they love me, but the way they live says something else. And what I see happening in, in uh, the life of Christians today is, they say they love God, but the way we live tells me something else. That's right. In this day of age, people casually say, I love you. I'm all for saying you love someone who you love. But I found out in life it's far more important for me to show you that I love you than for me to tell you I love you. Because my actions speak louder than my words. A lot of people have lift service. Very little action. We'll get that a little later on also. I have a problem with, with that. Question. What do you have that you no longer had before when all of a sudden you don't love somebody who you say you once loved when you have the eternal love of God living inside of you? I just don't love them anymore. And I have illustrations I go on and on times I want to get, get through this this, this, this evening and not keep us here all night. But what am I saying is this, but if we're not doing what love says we're supposed to do, and if we're not doing what love is not supposed to do, then how dwelleth the love of God in us? First John three seventeen. 
if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, and we're doing that which we're, uh, and we're not doing that which we're supposed to do, and not doing that, and doing that which we shouldn't do, how can we say we love God? I can tell you what, when my kids didn't do what dad said, they weren't showing me they loved me. They may have said it, but they weren't showing it. We'll get to that in a minute. We cannot love until we first express love, and, and no one meets Jesus. And listen, this evening, and I agree with the pastor on this, if you've met Jesus Christ, you should not be the same. You should be changing. I am not the same man I was 30 years ago. The love of God has changed me. Changed me. And it's supposed to, by the way. I don't like change. I like being a dinosaur. But I'm finding out you better get on the change wagon quick or you can get it left behind. But I found out this as a Christian, I better grasp for change and grow in my Christian life in the love of God. Amen. See, that's how a redneck can love a Yankee. Some of you got that, some of you haven't got that yet. That was hard to get out. It's not even in my notes even. But it's also how a Yankee can love a redneck. The love of God. The love of God. Saying I don't love someone is, is a strong will act of refusal on the part of any individual uh, that's not letting their life be controlled by God. Or it's a mission that we really... Maybe you aren't saved in the first place, and I don't want to spend all time on that because that, that's a matter of discussion. But Christians tend to cloak their language in terms like, I love you. Here, you've heard this before. I've preached this before, but I don't like you. Right? I love you in the Lord, but I don't like you. You ever say that? Too many feel the excuse, I love him, but I don't like him. So let's go ahead and get divorced. And see them, please, don't take me wrong. I love you. If you've gone through this, this situation of divorce and whatever, God bless you. I want to help you and pray for you. You are where you're at. We can't change the past, but we can change the future. So please don't take me wrong. And I'm all for people doing what's right as soon as possible. But I don't see how you can say one day you love somebody and the next day you don't. And one day you stood in front of a church maybe, and the preacher and witnesses, and you shared your love in front of a group of people, and you made a vow to stick together. And one also, I don't love them anymore. Tough. <laughs> Tough. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, because you love them, you should marry them. Right? I, I'm gonna, that's another Murrayism. I'll go down that road. But divorce is a temporary solution for a much bigger problem. And I don't have time to get through that this evening. I could, and I may in the future may go deeper into some of these. Next, God mixes love with everything. Everything he does. A Christian should be mixed with love. God, he, he, should, he expects Christians to be move, moving toward right relationships uh, with others. Listen, in, from Romans 12, 9 to Romans 15, 3, there are 15 verses to explain what love is. And we're going to hit them all tonight. All 53 tonight, we're going to hit them all. You don't believe me, do you? I can't get this done in 10 minutes, but I'll do my best. Let's look at these quickly. In verse number 9, 
it says love is not hurtful. Let love be without the simulation. Concealed, hidden. Love, number one, love is not hurtful by action. I had action there from the notes. The hurt is whatever one does by design that says, I will get even with that person. See, if you love somebody, you're not going to hurt them. I mentioned this in our class this morning. And, uh, of course, my, I'm, I'm praying for my classroom because we're full of liars. <laughs> my class this morning, I asked folks, I said, how many of you have trouble getting along with people? And not a one of them would raise their hand. And I'm saying, we're a class full of liars. And 47 of us this morning were lying today. Uh, of any, I'm not teasing them about that. But here, here's, let me get to it. Listen, love is not hurtful by our actions. And I could spend a lot of time on this. But let me tell you, I've seen a lot of husbands by their actions prove they don't love their wives. I'm talking about God's people. People who say they're saved. By their mouth, by their action toward their wives, they don't really love them. There's someone that helped them fulfill what they want in life. They don't care about the wife very much. Well, how can you tell? By the way they speak to them. By the way they speak about them. She's not your old lady. You with me? She's your wife. And thank God some woman was dumb enough to marry you. I'm sorry, wrong word was uh, intellectually challenged enough to marry you. I, I look at the fact, I look like this. Thank God that God brought some woman around my way that would marry me and stuck with me all these years because I don't know, I stick with myself. So my actions shouldn't be harmful toward her if I love her. The hurt entails in injuring someone's reputation Inflicting body harm or emotional taunting. Let me tell you, we do more damage with our tongues than any other part of our body. Come on. Amen. I can't wait till Pastor Dean hits that on Wednesday night in James. But real love is never hurtful by action. Do not hold on to anger, hurt, or pain. They'll steal your energy and they'll keep you from loving people. Amen. And I will say this, there have been a betting mom and dad who you've injured your child because you didn't love them by your actions. You're going to have a hard time raising your children and denigrate everything they do and expect them to do anything with their life when they get older. Because their whole life you kept talking them down, telling them how bad they were, how worthless they were. I'm, I'm talking God's people. God's people. Number two statement is this. Love is not hurtful by acting or I kind of parenthesize it, hypocrisy. A person should never be hypocritical and pretend to love. We're hypocritical sometimes. We, we, God wants us, every believer, to be real. I've got to go on. Number three. I'm going to hurry through here. Uh, number three, love is not hurtful by association. Abhor that which is evil. Love is not Hurt is not hurtful by association. If I truly love a person, not only will I not hurt him in action, neither, oh, here we go, neither will I associate with someone who's hurting that person. And today, I do believe in guilt by association. 
And I'm going to get in trouble here. But I've been pastoring a long time, been in the ministry a long time. I'll tell you this. You hang around somebody bad-mouthing your pastor, you are guilty by association. And you don't love your pastor like you say you do. Well, that's a hard statement. I know it is. But I had to learn the hard way. Same thing about a husband and wife. And so you go, you find someone who's bad-mouthing their wife, you better not hang around that person. You're guilty by association. And uh, I, could, I can't get all the illustrations I have. Listen, if I'm a teen, listen, if I'm a teenager, teenagers, before you leave, let me give you some Murrayisms. My associating with people who, my, who hurts my parents. Am I hanging out with somebody who they hurt, they hurt, it hurts my parents, I'm hanging out with that person. And if you love your parents, you should stop hanging around with that person. They shouldn't have to tell you that. You should be able to feel that. Why? Because you love your parents. I know you're the exception to the rule. I know all that. I've heard all. But abhor, that, abhor evil is like tasting poison, uh, detesting the taste, but still, and you're spitting it out. And we are to, and I don't mean we hate them. I don't mean we necessarily don't like them, but we don't associate with them. But what I find is this. Somebody gets a burr in a saddle, he gets his high horse about the preacher. He's willing to talk to you about it. We all go to his house or McDonald's or Burger King or Logan's or wherever, or back corner of the church, and we choo you about it. You're showing by your association you really don't love the man of God like you say you do because you're hurting them by association. I'm talking God's people here. I'm talking about a lost world. You say, oh, you're getting pretty flank. Yeah, because this is what it's all about. It's how you get along with people. Let's go on. Uh, I decided a long time ago, I'm not going to associate with those people who are critical of other people whose main focus is to destroy someone else's. Listen, if you know someone who's attacking your pastor and your church, you ought to quit hanging out with them. Period. And. Because you're not showing your love for your church or your pastor by doing that. Well, I agree with them. Then go hang out with them and leave the church alone. Disassociate with us. There's a purging coming, I agree 100%. There's a purging coming, and purging has been going on. Thank God for it, by the way. We're going to find out who's real and not real. Who has a love of God doesn't have a love of God. And I, listen, I'm going to change gears now. Let me give you uh, about 25 statements here to go with these 53 verses, and we're out of here. I'm going to give you some attributes of real love. We're going to be real nice and tenderhearted now. I'm not going to be mean anymore. You ready? Number one is this. Love is expressive and affectionate. Verse number 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, honor, preferring one another. I found this. If I prefer you over me, we get along real good. And usually my preferring is only for a few moments. It doesn't really have to affect and change my life. You with me? We, we should be expressive, uh, expressive and affectionate about our love. Love says, I love you. I care about you. It verbalizes these words. One may say, uh, I, I'm not that kind of person. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how you can be a saved, born again, saved from hell person and don't express your love to people. I don't understand that. 
I don't care, you're Irish, Italian, Polak, whatever you may be. I don't understand it. Where I came from, Pittsburgh, we had all those things up there, and they all, I'm this, and I said, I don't care who you are. If, you're, if you've got Christ loving you, you ought to show some love. It ought to change who you are. And anyhow, and you say, well, you, anyhow, i got to go. Love, love involves a feeling or expression of feeling. I think we should express it. I'm not saying we all got to be like uh, Pentecostal running around the church. But we should be expressing God's love. Number th- two, love is respectful. Mentioned already, in honor, preferring one another. And I found the greatest key to get along with anybody who, even people I may despise, I hate to even say that because there are people that I just, when they're coming, I want to go the other way. But I found this, if I take a few moments and I prefer them over me for a few moments, we can get along. That's what I'm supposed to do, isn't it? I'm supposed to get along with them. I'm supposed to get along with them. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It means to be diligently hardworking. Be bringing, uh, uh, listen, bring, bring respectful is, as an employee. I sure enjoy working for you, boss. And the boss says, don't tell me, show me. Show me you love me. Don't be lazy. Don't show up late. Treat me with, don't treat me with disrespect. Don't, uh, don't uh, uh, knock people, be the first guy out the door when the bell goes off. Don't criticize your job. But we're living a day of lazy, slothful, disrespectful people that can't thank God for what they got. Well, you got a job, you got to thank God for it. That some rascal would sign his name to your check and even pay you anything because you're not worth much. I know you think you are, and I think I am, but we're not. And, and we got to be careful. Listen, uh, if we respect our, our employers, why are we lazy? God's people should be the hardest working people in the shop. And church folks ought to be the hardest working people for the Lord of anybody in the world. Amen. I talked to this man one day. He was, came to me for some advice, and he was soon, as, he was soon the owner of his company. He said, but pastor, I love this man with all my heart. I'm so glad he gave me a job. And I just love him and respect him and go on and on. He said, but I'm suing him about this little issue over here. Uh, and I'm suing him about that. And I'm, I said, you love this guy? You respect this guy? Oh, yeah. And you care? Oh, yeah. He said, he has insurance to cover the being sued. And I said to him, I sure hope you don't love me that way. You're going to love me enough to sue me because you don't agree with something? Do you realize that life isn't fair, then you die? Then after that, the judgment? Oh, brother, it just gets worse. It's that simple. If you want to be respected, we must respect others. If you want to be loved, we're going to have to love others. Love comes through the energy of a person who brings uh, to what we bring to relationships. And uh, for a second, I'm going to jump over some things here. Number three. Love believes in others. Verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continually instant in prayer. Love believes. Listen, I believe in what you can be, what you're not right now. And that's the only way I get along with folks is I believe what you can become because I know what God can do in the life of somebody. So I look at you and get along with you because I know what you can be in, in God. Well, you can't be, excuse me, in Christ. You can be something. And I look at that. 
The worst teenager you ever, you ever thought in your life could one day be your pastor. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Why is that? Here I am. I believe it. Here I am. I'm proof. Proof's in the pudding. And, and I believe that. So I, I believe, so love lets me believe in other people. Uh, now, many, many times you get disappointed, but I believe people can be something. Number four, love is patient. What's it say? Patient tribulation, which means patient in hard times. Listen, difficulty times are coming. We must be patient. We, we must uh, not look beyond the wave and look out there and think of all this uh, uh, tranquility and all this stuff's going to happen. We must look at the waves that are coming our way and say, you know what, I'm going to have to be patient. The further view does not do away with the froth of the ocean, but it places us in perspective. One day it will be over, and one day it will be all right. But love is patient. Number five, and I like this one, love prays. Love praise. Continuing instant in prayer. Our response in any given area is a prayer life. And I won't go down a lot of this road here, but if a person uh, does you wrong, your response first ought to be prayer. Prayer. If you can't say something good about somebody, then our response needs to be, I'm going to have to go pray for them. It doesn't do any good to try to belittle somebody who said something against you. It doesn't do any good for you to try to hurt that person. I found out this, that it's better off for me to put that person in God's hands and let God deal with it and, and me just pray for them and pray for what's best. I don't mean heap coals of fire upon their head either, even though I do like that verse. But I'm praying that God will bless them, that God will bless their marriage. That God will help them raising their children. That God will help them in whatever endeavors they're doing in life, that God will help them. And God will, I'll tell you what, when you pray for somebody, it's hard to get even with them. I'm getting along with people. That way, the next time you see that person, instead of wanting to put a knife in their heart, you say, hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. And underneath your breath, they're saying, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> hey, listen, we're human now. Let's be here. But our reaction should be, Lord, please be good to them. The only person who ever loses in trying to take revenge is the person who's revengeful. And God is the one who's going to issue out the revenge, not us. A good Christian desires to help, not to hurt, even when the other person hurts them. I can tell you what, I found this out. And when someone's letting me have it, one of the best things I could do is say, you know what, brother, I love you. I love you. I wish God's best for you. You know what you're going to do? They're going to stand back and say, who is this guy? I love you. Sometimes, husband, best thing for you is quit arguing with your wife and tell her how much you love her and forget it. Because you love her. You love her. Do you disagree with her? I guarantee you disagree with her. I guarantee it. How do you know? I've been married 41 years. I know exactly how it works. But my love for my wife far, far goes beyond anything we could ever disagree upon. Why? Well, I love her. And I found out saying you love someone in the middle of the hard times can be some of the, most, the best words you've ever said. Why? How dwelleth the love of God 
in him when we focus on the wrong things and not the good things for other people. Number six, love is generous. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. I want you to notice it says saints there, given to hospitalities. Nothing reveals the absence or presence of love as does the level of one's generosity. We love them so much we're willing to be generous to them. Love uses words of kindness. Number seven is this, love blesses, again, it goes on number six, love blesses others. Verse 14, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Our first action is we're going to curse them out in Jesus' name. The Bible says you're to bless them and curse not. And love. This is how you get along with people. Well, I'm right and they're wrong. I got to tell you something, you're both wrong. Amen. That's right. If that's your attitude, you're both wrong. And I'm wrong. What, what, what far too many Christians do is they let the hurt of another fester and grow. All kinds of problems happen. All kinds of things happen. I've seen people come to church. And they come to church. They got something festering. They got some burr in their saddle. They're upset about something. And they're waiting for that pastor to say that one thing and they're gone. I just wish they'd go quicker. But if you're going to be that way, but that's not a way to live. I'm not, I don't come to church with a bird to see what I can get, if I can get it a scratch that day while I'm here. That's not why I, why I love the church. I love my pastor. I don't want to be doing that. That's a terrible way to come to church. But I've seen it happen over and over again. You can see them walking the doors all over the face. You say one thing, I'm out of here. Tell me what it is. <laughs> Let's get it over with quick. I'm all for resolving things quickly. <laughs> Let's get it done. Let's get it over with. Too many of us want to hurt instead of things fester. And me, I don't like, I don't like to fester or anything. I like to get it out, get it open, get it out in the clear. Let's get it over with. Let's get it done with. Let's move on. Number, number eight, love is sympathetic. Verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. It means I feel your heart. I feel your heart with you. Or I can beat in rhythm with you. I can feel your hurt, and I can feel your rejoicing. And, and I mentioned this in my class this morning. I don't want to spend all time on this thought today. But listen, uh, it's harder to rejoice with those who are rejoicing than it is to weep with those who are hurting. That's why I share those, all those poor, sickly dogs on the TV commercials so you give to help that dog out because it's easier to feel for that hurting dog than for a healthy one. Right? So it's our nature. It's who we are. As I mentioned in my class today, it's because we're selfish. We're selfish. And, oh, that guy got that. That, that pastor got the Corvette. Man, I'm envious of him. <laughs> right? How do you get a Corvette? We pay him too much money. And, uh, boy, I wish that was the case. Anyhow, not really. I don't, I don't want a Corvette. I do have something. Anyhow. But what I'm saying is this. It's easier to have empathy towards someone who's hurting. It's natural for us. It's hard for us to rejoice when someone else has got something good happen to them. Because we say, well, why didn't it happen to me? I'm the model Christian. I should have deserved that. No matter what someone else may have gotten, God's been good to you anyhow. Anyhow. Number nine Love unifies. Verse 16, 
be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. We casually say that we love people with all of our heart. But I would rather you love me with your mind than with your heart. I'd rather you love me with all your actions and your mouth uh, or your words or your tongue. Uh, I'd rather you, well, I see you love me. My wife, I guarantee, would rather me show her I love her than me necessarily tell her I love her. Trying to help fulfill what she may want. Love, love me, uh, saying love me kind of puts some restraints on me, but show me that you love me. Show me in, in ways, and I don't have time to go into all this this evening, but love me in your patience when we're faced with hard times. Love me in ways that uh, only love can make you understand something. And we need to have a, a love for people, but it should be by our actions. And the problem is sometimes people who we're trying to love, they don't see our actions in the proper way. But we should love people with our actions. One Sunday morning after Sunday school, I was teaching one of our, some of our adults' class one time, and we had a man sitting there in the Sunday school room, and, and I worked and worked with this guy, and he, was a, he had a doctor's degree in uh, gemology. He worked for the uh, Pittsburgh... Uh, Museum of Science, not Science, of the, what's that? Natural History, he was a gemologist, smart guy, PhD. Uh, he knew everything and I knew nothing. In fact, his role in life, he told me, was to be, he wanted to counsel pastors. He told me that. I loved him just like I talked with you. I loved him for all this time. But, but one day in class, I, I got on a topic and I was talking about uh, uh, Ahab and what was going on and about uh, them going out. And I, said, and, I said, and I said this, personally, I would not work for, for Ahab. I couldn't work for a wicked king like that. Personally, that's what I said in class. I'm not thinking about this guy, no, and he works for the museum, Pittsburgh. He works for the, all the smart people who are going to hell, by the way, without Jesus. But they're smart. But he worked for them, and he, he was saved, and uh, whatever. And he was looking for some reason. So after, class, so after class was over, he came up to me right in the middle. It's in the middle of the auditorium. He came up to me, and he just started letting him let me have it. He raised his voice, and people were kind of looking, paying attention to him. And I finally said, you know what? I said, Mark, uh, this conversation's over. I love you. That's not what I said. It doesn't matter what I said, because you heard what you wanted to hear, but we're not talking about this anymore. And he just beat it out the door and never came back. I'm glad I said to him, you know, we're not talking like this to each other. Last time I saw him, last time I spoke to him, I'm glad I loved him when he left. I spent many days in the hospital. He had surgeries and anyhow, all kinds of issues. But anyhow, that's the way it goes sometimes. But listen, I don't have to put up with that. But at the same time, I don't have to re reciprocate how he treated me the same way. That's right. Because I got church people watching me. That's right. That's right. And I just said, you know, we're not going to have this conversation like this. First, I won't argue anyhow like that. I, I, won't, I won't do that. That's, to me, such a big waste of time. But anyhow. Uh, 
The point is, the Bible teaches us, even when we disagree, there should be a unifying of our minds. Uh, even if I don't agree with an individual, I can still be affectionate toward them. Even if, I don't, even, if I, uh, even if I don't agree with my boss, I can still show up at work on time. I can still give them a, a good day's work, even if I disagree with them. Why? Because my actions shout while words whisper. And the way you get along with people is this. You means you, you do what love does, and you don't do what love doesn't do. That's how you get along with people. You love them properly and correctly. That's how you get along with folks. Thank you, Lord, for your word this evening. Lord, I thank you for this thought about getting along with people that, Lord, and it's tough. It's not getting any easier. People get their, their, uh, their way, their mindset. They get this thing in their lives and their heart, Lord, and they, they're just not changing. Lord, we still have to get along with them either. You're, you're, they belong to you. We're all part of God's family. We all belong to the family of God. And we've got to figure out with love how we can get along with each other. And we need to get along with each other. The cause of Christ needs God's people to get along, even the ones we disagree with, even the ones we just can't quite figure them out, even the ones that we, Lord, we have a distaste for them and we've not associated with them. But Lord, we need to get along. We need to be the example in this lost and dying world without Christ. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.